podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Yes, lads, UFC fighter Jack Sawyer. You can catch me on the latest episode of Ace Podcast Nation. Make sure to give him a subscribe on YouTube. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash Ace Podcast Nation. And uh, looking forward to get back on there soon. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 75 and uh, tonight we have got lots to talk about. There's obviously the boxing from last night, we've also got uh, UFC from Saturday night, we've got Bellator from Friday night and of course another top guest from the fight world which we're very excited to talk to. So we've got lots and lots to get into so we'll get into it nice and quick but uh, if you like your podcasts in video format you can watch this and all the other shows we do uh, we do lots of different shows and different subjects featuring top guests expert analysts and more subscribe to youtube.com slash ace podcast nation follow us on social media and of course if you prefer your audio, audio podcasts we do all those shows in audio form just uh, whether it's spotify apple stitcher wherever you prefer your podcasts just search ace podcast nation and there's over 400 shows on different subjects featuring different people, different guests, different hosts. But uh, joining me, as ever, first and foremost, we have ex-Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, Mr. Danny Barton. Welcome, my friend. How are you? All right, so, Nicky. Um, yeah, I'm really good. And, geez, what a weekend. I mean, we're just getting oh, spoiled man. time and time again. But we've got this new promotion, PFL, that was on. Bellator, UFC, and what with boxing as well, we've been really treated so spectacular this weekend. Yeah, it's been an incredible weekend, and I, th- I think I'm gonna have to get you like a little little video intro saying Danny Batten's PFL weekly update because I just haven't <laughs> got the time to watch it. Like I just got doing so many podcasts, and then obviously we watch so much fights, and Bellator is back up and running properly now, so there's a lot to talk mm. about. And then, obviously, we had a big boxing fight, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But uh, before that, let's introduce our guest. He is Cage Warriors Lightweight. And I should have checked before to work out how to pronounce his name, because I am terrible with names. But it is Decky McLennan. How are you? Did I pronounce your name right? McLennan. McLennan. There you go. <laughs> no, you didn't, Sai. It's basically the answer. Butchered it. Butchered it. <laughs> I even got a note on my screen saying, check how you pronounce his name. Sorry, mate. It's, oh, right. it's nothing sorry. personal, mate. Me and Danny butcher fighters' names on a weekly basis. It's just lucky it's not like a 
like a Russian name or an Eastern European name, or it could have got really embarrassing. Yeah, like not even try and name names either. <laughs> yeah, well, we end up we end up calling them by first name most of the time. Yeah. Give them a give them a nickname. Um, how are you, mate? Anyway, you alright? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just back from the zoo with the child. Ah, oh, nice. nice. <laughs> I suppose it's nice. Ah, at least the zoos are bloody open and stuff. Everything's opening up back now, so it's. It's a little bit more bear bearable, bearable, just about like. But I bet um, it must have been difficult. Like the last eighteen months, we I I have been asking all the fighters and coaches which we have on. But what's it been like for you, sort of last eighteen months as a fighter and as a dad? I suppose. Yeah, well, the child she is only eighteen months old, so I think Oof. she was uh, she was seven weeks old when we went into lockdown. So it's kind of been. <laughs> As as a dad, it's been great. It's time that you'll ne you would have never got to spend with her, especially being a fighter. You know what it's like. You, know, you don't really you're away from home a lot, like during you know, early mornings and late nights. So as a dad, it's been great getting used, getting used and getting time to see. You know, getting used to having a child and then getting time to spend with her has made going back to fighting uh, that wee bit easier because I was able to get some sort of structure with her. Mm. And then with the gyms and everything being closed, just doing my own wee bits of training. Then by the time they opened, I was used to having to train and having to look after the child. Yeah, I, that's that's a positive side to it actually, you know, because like, like you say, I think it's, it's it's similar with whatever you do, whether you're a fighter or not, like all professions. But like, as a dad, you do tend to miss out on a lot in that. Like you have your two weeks off or whatever normally, and then you. You know, you're back to work, back to fighting, back to training, whatever it may be. So, like you've been, uh, you've been quite fortunate with that. You've got to ex probably spend a lot more time with her than what you would have otherwise. I went on the maternity leave as well, so I did. Ah, there you go. <laughs> proper. Um, what about like the training? Were you just doing like little bits here and there, is it? And then sort of waiting for the gyms I, and everything to reopen properly. Initially, at the start, whenever. Covid was a thing that you were sort of afraid of a little bit. I just done my own training. I done the runs in the morning, bag work, uh, straight after, and then just sort of chilled out the rest of the day. Maybe done a wee bit of like footwork and stuff on the ladder at the back, and uh, a few weights and that. And then as things started to ease up, I had one or two boys that were taking the lockdown pretty serious as well. Who we all sort of came to an agreement, right? We'll meet up and we'll grapple, but we're not doing like this isn't a thing that we're all like sort of taking the taking the lockdowns lightly it's just sort of, you're not leaving the house and i'm not leaving the house surely we're safe to train with each other like yeah yeah, yeah. Um, creating your own bubble isn't it yeah this that's before a bubble was kind of a thing like john whenever everyone yeah. was afraid of, of everything sort of so we had uh maybe i think in total there was three of us all just trained together and um, that left whenever we came out of lockdown. I think I had ten weeks in to get ready for my first fight. And five weeks, so it's all good. Spot on, mate. Um, right, well, I want to talk. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about you, and and I want to talk about the you know your start in MMA and and where you where your aims and stuff are now. But just before we do that, I want to. Um, I don't want to leave the boxing out, Danny, this week because. We have been, uh, I've had a few messages of late saying we don't spend enough time talking about boxing. So 
other than we've mentioned and probably slated the you know the Jake Paul stuff a little bit. So there was a a big fight on last night, which was um, Billy Joe Saunders taking on uh, Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez obviously is the guy. He's collecting belts for fun. But um, Danny, what did you make of the fight overall? And did uh, Billy Joe Saunders before it was stopped to due to his broken orbital bone or eye socket like did you think he did better than what you expected yeah i actually did think he did better um in the first couple of rounds i was thinking okay we've got a pattern here that's just going to repeat until till the end of the fight sort of thing with canelo pressing forward it, it almost made made saunders look a little uncomfortable at times and um i wasn't too sure whether saunders would be able to figure out a way to get back on track but Saunders is really quite creative and he started creating the space that he needed to get that jab going and then started coming in off that jab as well. Whatever started, Canelo started trying to force that close range. He had success within the first two rounds. He started catching Canelo with like a body shot, then a head shot. And he was looking, looking like the tide was almost turning. But of course, just as Saunders seemed to be getting his groove, so to speak, and try and put it on Canelo to try and figure out something new and change the rhythm of the fight. Um, yeah, the, the, the orbital situation happened with his eye, didn't it? Um, it's just a shame that he just couldn't have carried on. But uh, Canelo was looking for power shots and he was landing them. And at the end of the day, that's what led it to the stoppage. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this fight gets run back again at some point other from the get-go. Um, or in the very, very near future anyway. I think I think it could get run, run by again. I think... Saunders surprised a lot of people, to be honest. Um, I think we all wrote him off to be walked over by Canelo, but it wasn't the case. Yeah, like, I thought the first couple of rounds, Alvarez looked sharp and, and looked good and looked like it was going to be the usual. But then I thought what Billy Joe Saunders did very well was he created, like, these weird angles, which um, is something we've talked about with people like Conor McGregor and people like that. They create these weird angles which fighters find it difficult to to perhaps find their distance and, and find their mark enough. But what Canelo Alvarez did when he caught him uh, with that shot, which ultimately finished the fight, is as Billy Joe Saunders was sort of crouching down to, to create that weird angle, he, he leant into the shot. And, um, you know, Canelo Alvarez is... The power which he possesses is unbelievable. Like, it was like a gun going off, that shot which broke his orbital bone. Um so in terms of the rematch, and I'm going to ask Decky the same sort of thing now, but do you think two of the reasons maybe why we don't see the rematch is, one, Billy Joe Saunders hasn't got anything which Canelo Alvarez wants now. I believe, um, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there's one more belt which Alvarez is after, which, um, and I just feel like at the age which Alvarez is at, I think he's only interested now in kind of cementing his legacy and collecting those belts. I just don't see him wanting to run. There's no benefit to him running that back. Like, he, he beat him. He stopped him. <clears throat> it is what it is. I don't know what you think about that, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably right. I mean, like, Canelo... But, uh, he, he, just to add to that, sorry, mate. Boxing's a different beast to Eminem, MMA in terms of... And even Eddie Hearn said that this week. He said, like, in MMA, the best fight the best. And if it's, you have a close fight, they'll do a rematch. But in yeah. boxing, it's, it is slightly different. And I'm just not sure that they'll run that back. 
from that point. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. It seems like the boxers, when they're on top of their game uh, and the top of their careers, like Canelo is, they seem to be in the driving seat of who they get, what when they get it, and at what price they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and Canelo is totally in that position. So, yeah, if he doesn't want Saunders for whatever reason and for the reasons that maybe you put forward in that he's got nothing to offer him anymore, you could be exactly right. He might just want to pick up this, this remaining belt and, and so, you know, some ferment his uh, legacy. You're exactly right, which, you know, to me, I think that's, that is a shame. That is a frustration with boxing. I think mm. boxing, we need to see the greats face each other uh, more often and sometimes the, the, the greats fight more than once. But yeah. that seems to be time's gone by in boxing. Jackie, what did you um, what did you make of the fight? And um, what did you make of Billy Joe Saunders' performance as well up to the stoppage? Uh, I thought it was a great <clears throat> great back and forward sort of fight. But through, throughout the whole thing, it just looked like Canelo was just slowly but surely chipping away. You were just sort of waiting for... The, from my, like my eyes watching it, I was just waiting for Canelo to get some sort of finish. Mm. Uh, personally... I think defensively and offensively, he's one of the best boxers that have done it. Like you know, and that's oh, yeah. that's that's why I don't watch much boxing, but he's one of the main ones that I watch is because he's not just a defensive boxer. He's so good at it, and he's so good at making you look stupid. But he's also got the power then to put you away. And, and just watching throughout the fight, I thought it was it was going to get stopped at some stage. I thought maybe a body shot. He seemed to be throwing. Uh, it was like an uppercut into the body. Yeah, I can't. He seemed to be touching with it a lot, and I was expecting that maybe to be one of the finishers. I was. I didn't think that it was going to be the lead hook, the mm. Racky's eye. Yeah, he kind of lent into it as well, didn't he? And I think you're right about the body shots because, like we've been talking about, we see a few really big body shots in MMA over the last couple of weeks as well, which have finished fights. And I think um, the power which Alvarez has got is that's the sort of punch which we would probably or could have contributed to the finish certainly and I think um, I think look I thought Billy Joe Saunders did better than I expected him to ultimately Canelo, Canelo Alvarez is one of the best ever like you say so it's, it's his stock it hasn't went down any like he hasn't went in and got mauled by him you know so no. I don't think the fight will ever happen again personally just with that no, said, boxing is but mm. it, would, it would be great to see a rematch but I, I don't really think it will happen like the other thing I wanted to ask you kind of both about, but I'll ask you, Decky, first as as the sort of current fighter. Um, so, obviously, Billy Joe Saunders um, got a broken orbital bone, I think it was reported. Um, I think I'm right in saying that was what ended uh, Kel Brook's career because of the complications in returning to it. Obviously, as a fighter, part of your training is getting hit. Um, so, it's a difficult injury to overcome. Like... Is that going to make it difficult, do you think, for Billy Joe Saunders to make a a return at the very top level? I, not even, I'm going to check how old he is, but like, uh, it's obviously a brutal, brutal injury, isn't it? It's not a nice injury, no, but it's hard to know how bad. I, I haven't seen actually reports on how bad his eye is. I've seen, I know uh, from training with Team Alpha Male, say it's Norcott, he got his, near enough, his face broke in mm. 1FC. Uh, his orbital was shattered and had to be reconstructed, but he's back training, getting ready to fight. Okay. Not sure if he's fights fought since, but it's hard to. Boxing's a different sport than MMA. There's a lot of ways to win, a lot of ways to stall out a fight name, uh, a fight in MMA. Sorry, but boxing, you're gonna get repeatedly punched. 
yeah. on that spot. Like so, it, it's a hard one to call. It's not, it's not a nice place to be for for Billy Joe at the minute. Like you know, yeah, hundred percent. He um, so Eddie Hearn <clears throat> said overnight or like, oh, this evening actually. Looking at the dates, ten to six tonight. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders stayed in the hospital overnight. He suffered multiple fractures fractures to the orbital area and is having surgery this afternoon. Um, which sounds brutal. I got to be honest. That sounds like it's going to be very. You know, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? Um, look, it is what it is. This it's one of those injuries where until they probably do the surgery and and stuff like that, it's going to be. You know, it's going to be. I would imagine it's going to be touch and go, Dan, isn't it? Because it's, it's, yeah. it's just one of those injuries, and I would imagine. And, and I'm no doctor, and I'm not a fighter. But I would imagine that a lot will depend on if his sight is affected. Like I know, you know, Michael Bisping fought with one eye, but that was largely because he kept it to himself. Um, like it's it's a difficult injury. I just Billy Joe He's only like he is thirty one. He's in his prime as a fighter. Hopefully, he can come back for it. But it's a it's a, it's a nasty injury, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's really hard to, to, to predict how, how boxers choose to do things. You know, boxers can and do often um, go on for what seems to be too long, I think, at times, many times. Yeah. They can't seem to, to put well, put the gloves down and keep them down. Don't start me on them now. Don't yeah, really yeah. So these fights. Yeah, I think he's going to be out for a long time. I think you, if we could possibly not see anything of him um it for another two years I, I think that's the reality of what Oof. situation he's in to be honest you got to think that best part of 12 months are going to be out of the equation he's going to have to get himself back in shape gonna be all sorts of things and that depends on how bad this really is look he's having surgery and how bad is this i really mm. i think we have to sort of sit and wait on the real outcome of how serious this situation is for him but i wouldn't be surprised if we see him get back in there but to what kind of performance level who only knows? I mean, is he going to get warm-up fights coming back in? And there's so many things to weigh up. I, I just don't know. Um, it's one of those things we just have to wait and see and let it play out. Yeah, and I think um, the other aspect I just wanted to touch on before we move on was um, I was pleased to see his uh, his trainers, his corner looking after him, like because it was it was clear he was in a great deal of pain, but also. Um, he couldn't see out of it, like, and I think they did the responsible thing. They looked after their fighter. It doesn't matter how big the fight is, if you know you've got to put your fighter's health first. And we've seen uh, plenty of interesting or questionable things within boxing over the last month, couple of months, in and outside the ring. And I just felt like that was something which should be noted that no matter how big the fight is. The trainers, the corner, should always have the best interest of their fighters. You know, even if that does mean, you know, saying right, no, you're not going back in, which is what happened. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. Like Danny, what do you think about that? Do you, it's difficult isn't it? because yeah. the fighters, fighters, always going to want to go back in. But yeah, well, not you know, maybe not all the case. But the fight, if the fighter chooses not to, it's pretty damn hard to try and persuade them to, course, to get yeah. in there if they don't want to be there. At the end of the day, I think as soon as a fighter says he don't want to be in there, that's to me game over. You just, yeah, you know, but that, that's not that a mentality to have. See again, sorry, Jackie. At that stage, as soon as a fighter tells he doesn't want to be in, I think that's your career. Yeah. Over. It's not, not just yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. I, I personally, I think it's 
it's your coach or, coaches and corner man job to save you from yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like that's you hear people talking about quitting and different things. You sit and you get up off a stool to fight someone like Canelo with a broken eye socket, and we'll see. Then you can comment on. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I saw. Yeah, I agree. I saw some people on social media as you do calling him a quitter, and even um, Chris Eubank Jr. was criticising him quite publicly, which you know they've got an ongoing spat. I know, but I was just like, you know, he didn't. Um, number one, he didn't. He didn't quit. Number two, he didn't, um, you know, he didn't go out there and embarrass himself or anything like that. He was beaten by a, you know, a fighter. And let's be honest, a fighter who's beaten everybody else. Um, so, you know, it is where it is. Uh, we're on boxing, so I'm going to bring it up very quickly. Have you seen the Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul, Jake Paul uh, scuffle? Danny, have you seen it? Uh, Got yeah, your hat? Just- yeah, yeah, I, I saw that part of it. I didn't see the whole thing, but I had someone show me it, and um, yeah, I don't know. Look, it's creating attention again, and that's what it seems to be about with those brothers. And yeah, well, uh, what can I say? What um, I saw an interview with Eddie Hearn, which I obviously just referred to, and he said people think that Philip Logan Paul and Jake Paul they think they're stupid. He said they know um, they know how to promote themselves. They know how to create things in media and stuff like that they're quite intelligent um he didn't really say anything about his boxing ability he just said they know what they're doing and i just think i'll ask you i'll tell you what i'll ask you decky do you think that the the mayweather thing was like a do you think it was a setup do you think it was he did legitimately piss uh mayweather off or do you think it was just purely because no one was really too bothered about Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather as a fight, and now suddenly people are interested. Uh, to be honest, I didn't even know the two of them were fighting. I no, thought I didn't know how the scuffle came about. Uh, I thought it was hilarious whenever he stole his hat. Like I have no interest in it. that. That bit alone was funny. I thought. Yeah. But, uh, I, I didn't. And whenever I seen the other brother squaring off with him, I, I didn't even know that that was happening. Yeah. Uh, it would be like it's surprising because it's listening to something today that McGregor wasn't able to annoy him, and like he can get under people's skin, yeah. And within a couple of minutes of them two brothers being around them, yeah, it's, they seem to have pissed him off. But you can see with the likes of Connor, he is uh, you have to have some sort of respect for him. With them, yeah. boys are too too Egypt. Like you know, they they can oh. get up to your skin, like you know, that sort of. Like. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I think the other thing is as well. There's two. There's the other aspect to it is a fight with Conor McGregor sells itself, doesn't it? People are interested yeah. in it. Like, there's no way you wouldn't have known about McGregor fighting Mayweather, whereas like you didn't really know about Logan Paul fighting um, Floyd Mayweather. And I just think, and also there's. Um, I saw like a load of clips of Floyd Mayweather and Jake Paul together from like a couple of years ago. So they obviously could know each other to some sort of degree. So I was like, yeah, I don't know. It was quite funny though, I gotta say. But it was funny because Floyd Mayweather, when he sort of found him backstage or whatever, he was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking kill him and that. And then he's got these like, these massive bodyguards with him, like six of them. And they're all kind of laying into Jake Paul whilst holding Floyd Mayweather back, and I was just like, yeah, okay. 
yeah, that's enough of that. It's, um, I just want to see. I if they're gonna if Jake Paul's gonna continue fighting, then put him in against someone who can strike. If it's gonna be an MMA guy, just put him in. Anyone? Uh, seeing they were talking about uh, Tyson Fury's brother. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Tommy, is it? Yeah, they put him in with someone like him. Or don't 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 put him in with a wrestler. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. No. You know, like, what about? Or, or even like put it like for toxic. There's Adesanya. He's about the same weight, but the same mm. size, and can fight. Like stick the two of them in together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. In a kickboxing match, though. Mm-hmm. Just for just for shits and giggles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's it's, it's uh, yeah. Uh, but to me, like I just think maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm not giving him enough credit. I just think Tommy Fury. Someone who's been boxing the majority of his life, you put him in against someone like Jake Paul, he's going to annihilate him. Like that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm doing him a disservice because yeah, you know, he is. He's clearly a better fighter than perhaps some people thought. But to me, I just think if you put him in someone who someone who's boxed to a decent level for a long time, I would think would be able to destroy him. And like Tommy Fury, like he's not, you know, he's not old. He's you know, he's in the prime of his career or whatever. I don't know. It's, I just want to. Boxers, boxers, don't like they're going round. They're they're, they're embarrassing them. Like, the sport, I think. So stick them in with a boxer. Yes. Mm. You no, know, or if they're going to challenge fighters, challenge them to fight. Then have an MMA fight. Yeah. Don't you know, yeah. like you can't you can't be calling yourself a fighter and having a boxing match. Don't you know, like you mm. can't be. It... You can't be. Uh, you also can't be calling wrestlers out for a boxing match if you want to be a boxer. Yeah. Fight a boxer if you want to be yes. an MMA, if you want to be a fighter and you want to like no disrespect I'm not saying that boxers aren't fighters it's a it's a cruel sport but there's ways of getting around rules and stuff like if that had have been an MMA fight with uh, Jake Paul and Ben Askren it would have been probably even quicker again in the opposite mm. direction you know so just yeah. let let them fight a let them fight a boxer and then that get rid mm. of that will be the end of that. Yeah, Man. and that's it. it. Like he's, I think he's three and zero, oh, but he's four. He hasn't fought a boxer yet, and it's like, come on. Um, but then it's, I guess, it's the same reason why there was always rumours that Floyd Mayweather was going to fight Conor McGregor in an MMA, but that was never going to happen, never in a million years, because it would be, it would have been over in, you know, a minute, and. That there's a lot more damage to Floyd Mayweather's legacy, is you know whatever you want to call it, than going whatever he did was it ten rounds or nine rounds or whatever it was with Connor. It's just a different animal altogether. Um, but yeah, I I, was, I think I said something similar a couple of weeks ago, Ducky. Uh, put him in with a boxer or shut up, basically. Um, right. So let's switch switch to uh, switch to to you, Ducky. Let's talk to you, talk about you a little bit. Um, how old were you when you got into fighting? Uh, mixed martial arts, or yeah. Well, just generally, like martial arts and and that sort of interest. Uh, yep. Where did you start? Eight. Did you start like with a particular um, sort of martial art, or did we sort with of karate? Karate, yeah. Yeah, started with it. Uh, at the time was maybe 12 or 13 I'd won my first All-Ireland and was on the national karate team and sort of travelled the world for a couple of years representing my country 
Nice. And then uh, got to Japan whenever I was 18. And the cheating involved in karate, see the, the politics and biasness involved in karate is ridiculous. Is that so, right? Big time, big time. So, in what way? Uh, a lot of the times the people that win the competition, it depends what sort of badge is on your chest and what sort of yeah. coming from. Uh, money mm. talks in every sport. And unfortunately, the Irish karate team didn't really have much money. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, like my first my first ever trip representing my country, I had to buy me Irish tracks. Mm -hmm. mm. So, uh, but anyway, I, got, I qualified and went over to Japan for the World, World Championships. And uh, I was in as one of the sort of higher up boys in the, the division that would have been sort of powdered to win it. And every, every weight group, you were allowed two per country in it, and nearly every final was two Japanese. Mm. So, whenever you're talking, you're fighting in their country, doing their sport against with a panel of their judges. You're not really going to win, like. Yeah. And, and uh, just the build up of things left me then to go. Whenever I came home from that, I, I wanted to look into something else. So I, started, I played about with boxing, as every Irish lad has, and then I. Uh, was debating whether or not to try and find somewhere to do MMA or go to boxing and then MMA just happened to fall at the door. Was there like um, particular influences on you like which swayed you that way? Like yeah. anyone you looked up to or anything like that or fighters that you admired or something? No. Uh, whenever I was younger I was a wee bit of a rocket head thought he could have beat anyone so I didn't really look up to any, anybody oh. at that stage. <laughs> but it's only then I got into the sport and realised that there's a lot more to it. Like my first, my first sparring session for, M for like MMA sparring session, I'll never forget it because I couldn't walk for about a week after. <laughs> with the karate, I was able to kick one of the boys in the head and I was stuck in a boxing ring and didn't know how to check leg kicks and he, he made me pay for that head kick. <laughs> so I, I quickly learned that I wasn't the man. Yeah. And had to, had to learn how to fight properly. So... I just stuck with it. There was one of my mates, got, a fella I was working with, came in with an old cauliflower ear, and uh, said, what happened to you? And I was talking away, and he told me what he was doing. And then that sort of got me, that was sort of my foot in the door to join the sort of local MMA team. Awesome. I love those stories, though, like, because um, we, you know, I asked a similar question to all the fighters, all the coaches we have on. I asked, I've asked Danny before and stuff, like, because everyone's got a different, kind of start into their fighting career or the, how they got into it um like so you you said like you're a bit of a what did you say a rocket head so um i'm assuming that's like an irish term but like were you a hothead as well as that like you you were clearly confident that you or you thought you know you could be win win a fight were you quite hothead when you were younger or were you Not just conf conf confident in your own ability like uh, not a hothead, just growing up, coming from a way state where I came from, sort of fighting was an everyday thing. Mm. You know, like sort of between playing playing Gaelic football, sorry, and clubs fighting, or just going out at the at the weekend at teenage discos, and there would have been three main places where I'm from. The town that I'm from, a place called Cross, but then a place called Dundalk, and there would have just been weekly fights between between them whenever we were out, just happening. Mm. So what a like getting into trouble on the street would have been the normal for us, like yeah. 
uh, as well as like training and fighting competitively. Uh, it's just something that I it's something that I enjoy doing. So like, as I said, I did get myself into a brave bit of trouble growing up, but I uh, a lot of people thought I would grow out of the sport of fight. Or sorry, a lot of people thought I would grow out of fighting instead of actually growing into the sport of fighting. Mm. Like, you mentioned Gaelic football, mate. I got to ask you, but um, I've heard that that is absolutely fucking brutal. I've heard that it's uh, so hard on the body; it's unreal. What's it? Is it? What's it like? Uh, it's just it's just football, us really, John. Like, yeah. Not you've been playing from your. I think I started playing maybe under tens or under twelves, and. Uh, played at a, like a high level we've won sort of in the school team we've won the championships which was as far as we could go and then the club played right up until under 18s and uh, then just sort of it was never never no injuries playing football mm. never never not mm. did get the head a few slaps but it wasn't wasn't too bad it's nothing compared mm. to hurting that's that's the man's sport <laughs> sorts the men from the boys yeah. they um so it sounds like you were pretty good at like a few different sports so mate as well like you said they straight away like you you were traveling the world doing karate you won tournaments playing gaelic football was there ever a time where you might have pursued like a different sport as a career or did you think it by the time that choice came around it was always going to be fighting it sort of picked itself for me, so that uh, with, as I said, with having to change from karate to mixed martial arts, it uh, was down to the fact of uh, that other people can swear who wins a fight in, in mixed martial arts compared to boxing. There's so many more ways to win a fight that it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you're not to let it go to the judge's decision. Uh, with karate, because it was semi-contact. You had to always rely on a on a judge or a referee to give you a throwing like a point to see who wins. Mm. With Gaelic football, you were la- you were relying on the boys not to go on the drink. We played football on a Monday night, and the boys were going to drink on a Sunday. So we had a good team up until under 18s. And then at that stage, the team just went to shape because the boys were out. <laughs> And uh, they stayed in school. I left school early and was working at this stage. Right in the time to go out, I had to get up early on Monday morning to go to work. They didn't. They could go on the drink. So uh, whenever we started losing matches because the boys weren't playing well, I I cut ties from the football then and just focused on a sport that was up to me whether or not I was going to win. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's fair enough, and it? it's it's one of those, isn't it? It's, it's when you're relying on other people, it's difficult. But um, as you moved into sort of training and and doing MMA. Um, how old were you when you turned pro? 24 or 25 whenever I turned pro. Did you have, um, I was just trying to look then, do you have a, do you have a, a lot of um, amateur fights before you made the decision to turn uh, turn pro? Uh, I either had 12 or 14, I can't remember exactly. Because mm. we've had, um, obviously we've had various fighters on and I think um, like Danny, obviously yourself as well, but like Paddy and Jack Shaw, Richard Shaw, all the different people we've had on over the 75 shows, a lot of them speak so, uh, like, about the importance of that amateur record and, and those amateur fights building you as a fighter. Tell me a bit about that, Dan. 
just why is so important yeah i mean that's that's where you um find out what you got what you haven't got in terms of your actual you know fighting heart fighting spirit as well as your technical adjustments that you may or may not need doing in particular areas yeah that's that's where you forge your your, your skill sets uh, in each given area you know if you've got a weakness in your game you want to find it out in the amateurs not in the pros ideally because mm. yeah i think it's been said before by other people that we've had on as guests um that once you get your pro record it's there to stay the amateur one you could kind of disregard to a point it you know yeah. you, you could have an amateur career where you have 10 and 10 doesn't mean you can't come on to be uh, an amazing emphatic pro fighter and uh, win a world title and you know create a legacy for yourself uh, i just think there's not enough uh, young fighters getting what they need out of the amateur scene um i think that's just too keen or it seems to be my experience anyway regards the amateurs i have at my place they just want to fight pro from the get-go they get a three or four fights under their belt and that's it they want to go banging it out pro-wise i think partly because they see other young lads um having successes say like jordans and, and, and stuff that we have in our gym and and they're really young you know they just turned 25 and they yeah. think that they can you know rush there just because they're 21 22 what we got to understand is jordan had a background in martial arts similar to decky beforehand he, he actually had quite an extensive amateur um career yeah. but trying to hold back these youngsters sometimes and it's a little bit of game but Dickie said he felt, you know, like he was unstoppable. He had this attitude about him that he was a, you know, he thought, just thought he was better than anyone else. I think some of these youngsters get too big for their boots too soon and they want to bypass the amateurs way too quick, way too quick. But I mean, I was just, uh, your, so your first professional fight, Dickie, was against James Gallagher, is that right? That's quite, that's, that's quite, uh, like obviously James has gone on to do very, very well for himself. Like, that's quite a hard fight for your first pro fight, looking back on it. But um, after that initial loss, you went on a bit of a run. You had a few wins. Um, you came up against one of Danny's fighters, uh, Tom Moons. Do you remember much about that fight? Yeah. Uh, that fight was, I think that was about three three months after I had a knee surgery. Okay. And Tom was just coming back himself off uh, a bad injury. Uh, the fight itself, as I said, on the night, I was I was in a bad way after the decision. I thought I'd done enough to win. They thought they'd done enough to win. Uh, it literally, it could have been scored anywhere. The fight was split down the middle. The first first round at halfway through the second was all Tom. Halfway through the second and the third was with me. Mm. Uh, as I said a couple of minutes ago there though, after, obviously I don't like losing it, as I said, uh, after the fight, whenever you get back down and sit down and realize that I didn't finish Tom, so that's my problem. John, like I've left it to other people's opinion on who won the fight, so it doesn't matter what, what I think. Yeah. John, like I, I messed up. Like. It's interesting. Danny, do you remember much of that fight? I vaguely yeah, remember. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember how nervous we were, you know, for Tom coming back after such a horrendous injury. But like Decky said, we were coming back after a knee, nasty knee injury. Um, I feel like um, they, they both couldn't perform 
to their top abilities of what they both know they're capable of, partly because of the you know the, the horrendous injuries that they're coming back from. And uh, yeah, uh, I remember it being ever so close. I remember having doubts in my mind on on, on whether Tom did enough or not, because again, it's down to opinions. Deck is exactly right. You know, it doesn't matter what us cornermen and what the fighter thinks. It's down to the judges at the end of the yeah. day. It was a very, very close um, fight. I know that much. They both had their moments to shine in there. And, and again, I think they both just lacked uh, the ability to, you know, put it away. And, and that's what it needed to be done if it weren't going to be left in the hands of judges. But it was that kind of fight that could have gone either way. I think uh, Tom lost it. It would have been just one of those things we have to shrug off and try and move forward from. Mm. Um, but it went in his favour uh, at that one. But the last two fights that Tom's had have been, you know, reasonably close. Um, they've gone against him, so yeah, you know, it, it, it's just rough with smooth, and and you just got to come back from it. And you know, Deck has done great since. I mean, uh, you know, to get a draw, Kieran Lister's no easy feat for anyone. And 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 okay, and although it never went either or way on terms of the judges, and um, that is, you know. It must tell you that you're right up there with the very best. I mean, he's he's had an incredible career, Kieran. Um, so you're right up there. Um, yeah, that, that's what I remember from it, anyways. I just know it was bloody close. It was. Whoever <laughs> scored the second round, that was that was it. Yeah, but it's, I think that's right. It all depended on how you looked at one of the rounds in particular. And yeah, it just went in Tom's favour, like I say. But um, it wouldn't wouldn't have surprised me if it went the other way. It's one of those type of fights. Vidaki, um you haven't been finished since your pro debut. Um, obviously, you had a couple of losses um, to Tom and Steve Amy Wall, but apart from that, you've had uh, a very successful run, really. And, I mean, obviously, your most recent fights, you beat uh, Adam Ventra at Cage Warriors 118 with a rear naked choke finish. Um, and then, obviously, you had the draw with Kieran Lister at Cage Warriors 1-2-0. Um, and like Danny says, like two good fighters they are so for me you've got to be right up there are you going to be on the next uh, trilogy yeah do you know Mass who you have Mass do you know Mass. who you're on yeah yeah Six. just have to wait for it to be released uh, uh, no trouble I didn't have yeah. any inventory both said to someone that we were fighting and then we got an awful area over it so yeah I bet my mouth shut <laughs> <laughs> I'm naughty, I am, I'll always ask these fighters, just in case, just in case, get exclusive, and I, but uh, no, I, I I respect that, right? but I mean, in terms of where you want to go in the future, like, what's your kind of aims as a fighter going forward now? I think I'm within two to three fights of the Cage Warriors like we have built, uh, I'm still sitting in a position that I think I could make, make featherweight handy enough okay. So we'll see what fights are offered when, and uh, I'll be looking to try and get try and get myself into the UFC very very quickly. Like, cause I, I as I said, I've been over in Team Alpha Male and I've trained with UFC fighters. They're no better than like if you watch the anthology cards, they're no better than any of us really. Like, obviously the top yeah. top ten, top fifteen are are the elite level, but give us the give us the time and the experience on that kind of stage, and we'll show that we're as good as any of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, yeah. Me and you, so I have said, haven't we, time, time again, and and many other fighters that are in Cage Warriors, you, you're top five in Cage Warriors, or, or all of them would not be out of place on on a UFC card. 
Um, and so sometimes I, I don't like to see some of you top fighters face each other, say, more than once, particularly when you're jostling for positions for contendership for the title, um, where you're cutting each other's throats. I think, you know, I think sometimes this, uh, I just would like to see a fighter get the title, maybe defend it just once or twice and then move on to UFC. But yeah, I don't know. That, that, that's just my mind on it. I just want to see these, you know, fantastic Irish, Scottish, Welsh, English fighters, not to keep cutting each other's fight, throats, fighting each other time and time again and jump ship over to UFC a little quicker. That's the hard part with Cage Warriors. They make the, the best fights. There's no padding your record or no, yeah. no, no messing about. Yeah. Like, remember me and Tom fought. Both of us had this, the identical record. My first fight in Cage Warriors, or first fight back in Cage Warriors, I was off, offered aimable something mm. like 12 and four or something at the time like mm-hmm. you're trying to take the top boys out to get yourself to the top mm-hmm. so there's no messing about and no easy fights like John so we are, as you said we're all cutting each other's throat to try and get one step ahead like mm. yeah I bet and we said this at the start of the show for me this is why I I kind of lean towards MMA over boxing because whether it's cage warriors whether it's Bellator whether it's UFC the fighters who are the best in those divisions, on the whole, will fight each other. There's obviously a, you could pick out like a handful of fights which haven't happened in the UFC for whatever reason, but generally, the best will fight the best, and that's what I love about it as a you know, as a fan, as a watching it. And it's, I do get what you mean though, Danny. Like, obviously, you've got there's like this there's a wave, isn't there, at the moment of of British and Irish fighters just waiting to go over to the UFC and really make a statement for British and Irish MMA. Like there's, yeah. there's, you're talking like 10 to 15 fighters who are extremely capable of, of pushing into the rankings. But if they keep beating each other in Cage Warriors, does it slow down the progress of them then getting over to the UFC and, and making that statement? It's a, it's a weird one, for sure. I, um, as a fan, though, mate, I just appreciate the good fights. I gotta be honest. But, um, Decky, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about like uh, your training in terms of your training partners and your gym. Is there anyone that we should be uh, we should be looking out for, and uh, maybe in the next year or two? There's well, the progress has been slowed down a lot with the amateurs not getting able to fight. Yeah. Uh, I'd say we would have maybe three or four very, very good lads ready to sort of turn pro and try and start make, making a wave. But at the minute, they haven't fought now in, from before Christmas, before lockdown started, you know. So mm. it's a good maybe 20 months, 24 months, you know, like. Yeah. So it's going to be hard. We're just trying to get them back and try and get the amateurs active again. There is there is two lads in particular that uh, I think can go all the way. I think one of them's 19 or 20 and the other lad is 21. But it's all well and good saying that. How long are these boys going to go without getting fights? Do you know, mm. is, do, you know like we, do we have to do, uh, push them forward into the pros to try and get them a fight? And put the, like, the only place really short, throwing fights together at the minute is Cage Warriors, where you're throwing them in their land then, or they're not going to get, they're not going to get a hand-picked fight for them. Not that they should, but they're going to be put in against another prospect. 
you know, so I, it's hard, it's hard at the minute to see what's happening for the amateurs. Yeah, yeah the, the amateur scene has been decimated it, in Britain, probably around the world as well, but particularly for Britain and Ireland, I think, in COVID times, like, it's just been decimated. There's no other way to, to, to word it. Like, there's been no fights at all. Which obviously, like you say, it slow that does it slows the progress of those fighters because, as Danny was saying, you know, ten minutes ago or whatever it was, about the importance of those amateur fights and that amateur record. If you've got a, if it's a whole you know year, eighteen months of having no fights, that's going to slow down anyone. You know, even the special amateurs who you know gyms around the country have got big plans for, if they haven't been able to fight for a year. That's going to slow them down. There's, there's no, there's no way around that. Um, like even I, I, I put on from sort of. I've always wanted to run an MMA show in my hometown. Okay. Uh, I fought twice in my hometown, so I have. But because I would have a big enough following, shows have came to my town for, for me obviously to be the main event. So yeah. whenever that left, whenever I went back to Cage Warriors, it left the sort of left a hole here that I said I'm going to run my own MMA show in the town and with having the child and having a couple of months off after uh, I planned a show for the Paddy's weekend in March and uh, everything was going, I was trying to get all the boys on the, on the show and maybe run two or three more last year hmm. and the, the country got shut down I think on the Monday or Tuesday my show was on the Saturday it wasn't one hiccup the whole way through organising the show, and then that that happened. Then so, so COVID <laughs> came around, nightmare. It's hard. Like, yeah, this brutal, that isn't it? It's hard, and, and then there's other shows over here trying to run amateur, like trying to run amateur shows and pass them off as like uh, the elite program and stuff. But <clears throat> they're not, they're not elite. John, like, you can get elite level amateurs, but. There's not too many elite level amateurs in MMA because it's not usually whenever you get to that elite stage you turn pro. Yeah. You know, there's it's not like a boxing thing where you can stay elite, like you can make yourself a, a an elite level amateur and compete around the world and make a living out of it. You're you're getting your experience to turn pro. Uh, so I think that the boys are just trying to make a quick make a quick penny off this, like and get throwing pro fighters on the cards and not paying them just to get to try and sell pay-per-views to try and get a show off the ground and then cancelling at fight week on them so i just i think it's it's not it's not right like no not at all um danny you got anything to add to that mate yeah um you know out of all the fights you've had which was the one that you felt like was your shining performance you know it might be a case that you feel that you was your most well-rounded everything was just on point or, or it might have been, it meant so much to you because you had to go through so much adversity within the performance to pull off a win, or it might not even be the one that you had a, a win with. What would you say was your most emphatic performance to date? Uh, I think there's only been glimpses. As a pro, nothing stands out at all. Right. Uh, and sort of scratching the surface. There's been wee glimpses, and that's usually where I've got the finishes. Yeah. Uh, but my, I sort of think my last amateur fight, or last semi-pro fight, whatever you want to call it, was a four-man tournament. Right. And uh, that's really where everything came together perfect against two tough opponents, where I was able yep. to knock out a striker in the first first set of the tournament and then submit a grappler in the second part of the tournament. Right. Yeah, yeah. That was sort of the... 
right happy days you can do this yeah uh, then i'd say that that would be the main one as an amateur and then maybe the the comeback fight after the loss to james that does yeah actually that that would be the, the one where you can throw adversity because i had a bad bad injury uh, fighting james mm. i shattered a couple of bones in my hand right. uh, so within a couple of seconds of the fight and then just one thing led to another james capitalized and then got a finish got a lovely choke the fight the following fight i broke the same bone well, one of the bones but just not as bad and was able to come through on cage warriors against thomas Tudgman, where i think mm. i was taken over to lose and i was able to come over that injury after redoing it and then get the win and pick up pick up a win on cage warriors yeah, right. yeah i'd say my first fight back in cage warriors yeah that would be the the main one yeah good stuff i like it a lot mate um decky um, you are most definitely welcome back, mate, anytime. And um, if you want to come back on, if you want to come back on just before you fight and have a chat, either you can come on to this with me and Danny and have a chat about it, or if you want to just, I can do one with you and we can clip it in. But um, it'd be good to get a chat to you, like in the build up to your fight or something like that. But um, it's been superb to have you, mate. Really enjoyed it. Me and Danny are going to talk the numerous MMA. Uh, cards from the last couple of days but uh, appreciate your time mate it's been a good uh, good uh, good conversation good laugh i've enjoyed it thanks for having me on boys thank you yeah no good talking to you decky and good luck for your fight yeah you. cheers probably see you then bye bye yeah okay, cheers mate so yeah decky there joined us lovely really enjoyed that mate that was uh, another good chat with another top guest do enjoy uh, having all these different fighters and coaches and we'll have another one on next week no doubt but we've got lots and lots to talk about, and I don't want to spend another three hours talking about it. So we're going to fly through some stuff. We had uh, Friday, Bellator 258 on um, the iPlayer. So me and you have kind of split this between the two of us uh, because there was so much to watch. Uh, Michael Venom Page, mate, um, versus Derek Anderson. It was an interesting one, didn't last long. And uh, Michael Venom Page, impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it... Michael can almost be frustrating to watch because it's like one person fighting in there. The other person's just almost like, he might as well not be in there other than to be a hitting post. Um, no one can seem to get a touch on him apart from that one time, obviously, with Lima. He's just really mastering that range to such a degree that it's really just him choosing to hit Adam when he wants to and making the other guy miss uh, and just yeah. look frustrated. You could see Derek was trying to control his frustration, but he absolutely wasn't. He, he was getting frustrated. And when he got kicked, I mean, there's no wonder why he got kicked and so badly injured to the face because he turned away. And he did this twice. He turned away once and received the kick across the nose. Um, and then he turned away again and got punched into the side of the jaw. If you're going to be doing anything against someone that's so linearly strong, um, with the type of punching and... and kicking prowess of page you don't want to be turning the side of your face to him it's just not a good idea you turn your face you're going to get hit on the jaw you turn your face you're going to get kicked to the front of the face which is what happened with his nose yeah page just look up utterly dominant i'd love to see michael page go to ufc to see what happens um yeah he needs to do it yeah. sooner rather than later yeah because he's what 34 now something yeah. like that but, yeah i would like to see that 
he's ranked number two as well in the welterweight division for Bellator, where they've got their rankings yeah. out now. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, also ranked number two, but in uh, the in a different division, is uh, Patricky Pitbull. And uh, he fought Peter Queeley, who is uh, one of Conor McGregor's main training partners. Peter Queeley is 36. He's got a record of 12 and 5 and 1 uh, versus Pitbull's record of 23 and 9 a year younger. But um, it was a really, really, uh, it was in the lightweight division. So you've got Patricky is, Patrick Patricky is, uh, sorry, Patricky Pitbull is uh, ranked 2 in the division and Queeley's not ranked. And uh, I think I've talked about the Pitbull brothers. I'm not a massive fan of them. Uh, obviously, you've got the one who's champion. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Pitbull started quite well. He uh, was getting his striking off quite clean. But um, eventually, Queeley kind of took over with some good striking. Um, Pitbull tried to take him down at some point, And it went against him. Uh, Queeley sort of turned it over. Um, and he opened him up with some elbows. Um, Pitbull's low kicks look good as well, though. And uh, he did a couple of times take uh, Peter Queeley's feet from underneath him. But um, the end of the fight came where Pitbull takes him down and Pitbull's on top of him. And Peter Queeley basically sort of holds his head and opens him up with elbows right. from the bottom. And he'd already, Ouch. yeah, he had already opened him up at that point. Peter Queeley is a bold guy. For anyone who doesn't know, he's a bold guy. Similar looking to Danny, but he's got a big, bushy beard. He's got blood all over his head, all over his face, all over his chest. He's covered in blood. None of it is his. Um, so whilst technically in the fight, Pitbull did pretty well. He did all right, should we say. It was quite a close fight in terms of mm. the back and forth. Uh, but when Peter Queeley did the damage, he did the damage well. And yeah. um, there was a lot of blood, a lot of thing. It was just I think it was just before uh the end of the second round, I think it was, he opens him up and then going into the next round, Pitbull takes him down, but he opens him up with those elbows so even more from the bottom. A lot of blood, right. big gash. And then he calls out his brother on the microphone straight after the fight and says, No excuses anymore, just get it done. You've seen what I've just done to your brother. Uh it's time to put that fight on. So I think I'd be very surprised if they don't take advantage of that. Um, like, we talk about people doing, like, good mic work and stuff. Like, when you're covered in someone else's blood, if you're able to call out their brother, I think that's a, that's a good clip for Bellator to use in their promotional material. For yeah. Me anyway. um, but yeah, Peter Queeley with a Maybe a shock, I don't know. He, uh, he's not ranked. And Patrick, uh, Patricky Pitbull is ranked too. And it was a yeah, doc, yeah. Doc, doc stoppage, technically. But, right. you know, is what it is. He, uh, he opened him up big. And mm-hmm. uh, it was stopped between the rounds. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Anthony Rumble Johnson made for last night against Jose Augusto. Two yeah. And very you know experienced what? fighters. Yeah. It, it almost didn't look like he'd ever been out of the cage for the length of time that he has. He looked in good shape. He was sharp, making good choices. Um, wasn't even looking like he would, was 
diminishing in terms of his cardio, which we so often see. We see him come out being so explosive in the past and then sort of like fading uh, massively in later rounds. But he looked sharp throughout, looked composed, looked experienced and did ever so well. There were times when um, it didn't go his own way. He was uh, grounded uh, with Gosto on top of him. It wasn't looking too too nice for him at one point. But yeah. he survived that situation, gets back to the feet. Now, Gusto, um, he looks like he's broke his hand in some way. Uh, he's okay. got the top of his head, really was uh, holding his hand, and he landed another punch with his right hand and then held it, turned away. Almost looked like he was, for a split second, going to quit the fight. But he turned and faced Johnson, started doing great combinations, using his lead jab and round kick off the rear side, and was trying to get creative and doing really, really well. And like I say, he had that moment with Johnson where he got him on the ground. It looked like he was going to win. Started trying to sink in a rear naked choke. Johnson wasn't really doing the right things to defend it, but Gusto lost his position, possibly due to having that bad hand. Um, but going into the other round, um, Johnson, again, really composed, picking his shots real, trying to be efficient, ended up landing a really devastating right cross and left it to no question. Augusta was done, uh, knocked him Sparko on his back. What a return. Um, could could be That's seeing fine. a legit return from Johnson. I was really dubious, to be honest, on what kind of condition he was going to come in with, but looked good, looked really good. It's, for me, with Anthony Rumpel Johnson, I, I really believe that it's uh, the issues that he was having is a psychological one more than a, a physical one. Like I don't think yeah. anyone doubted his... No one doubts his or his talent mm. he just he could just couldn't seem to get his head right in terms yeah. of fighting at the, when those big big fights came around he just wasn't quite able to I don't know maybe whether it's get yeah. his head straight or calm his control his nerve I, you know I don't know what it was um, but there was just something which meant he wasn't able to quite yeah. Show show what he could do. I suppose would be the sure the best. But hopefully, maybe he can, and maybe he's gonna get. You know, he's into the semi-finals of the Bellator light heavyweight Grand Prix now. So yeah, you know, he's really good. in with the shout. You know, last four. So be interesting. Um, the main event was. Uh, I had only saw a little bit of this, so I sort of saw like clips of the end of it. Uh, it was Sergio Pettis versus the champion Juan Achula Achu. Chilator, uh, Bellator Bantamweight Championship. Uh, Sergio Pettis won a five round fight uh, by a unanimous decision. Uh, from what I saw, Sergio Pettis did a very good job technically. Um, really uh, did some good low kicks, a couple of high kicks I saw, and he just looked sharp, looked the better, right. you know, technically better fighter from what I saw. But right. I couldn't give a, a detailed breakdown of it because I haven't watched it all but right. what I did see Sergio Pettis looked uh, impressive mate I'd say yeah. um, which is interesting because uh, we criticised Bellator maybe for some of the people they were pushing and then all of a sudden now they've got people like Corey Anderson, they've got um, Rumble Johnson, they've got Brett Johns making his debut in a while, they've got Sergio Pettis has just taken the championship these guys whilst they're experienced they're not over the hill you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're more than capable of taking Bellator and, and carrying the, these divisions and sure. putting on legit, you know, taking on leg- legitimate challengers rather yeah. than having like a, you know, a fighter, which is like 
44 and he's yeah. very, very clearly just there for the money or whatever it is. It's, it's frustrating, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? Um, I apologise if you can hear drilling. That's my neighbour. There's not, nothing I can do with that, I'm afraid. Um, Bang on the wall. <laughs> tell me what you think about the UFC, mate. Uh, last night. Uh, UFC good, but just before we go to that, if you don't mind me just saying about, um, I only watched one fight on PFL. Now, PFL's, I think that's going to start get, gaining attention really, really fast. So Bellator needs to continue to get their act together. Otherwise, they're going to lose um, even more viewing and attention to PFL. Um, the one that I watched was uh, Fabrizio Verdun, just partly really because he's been a big part of UFC over the course of history and time. Um, Verdun now is 43 years old perhaps cracking on in years a, a little bit these days, but he was up against a massive guy, six for eight, uh, Renan or Heenan Pereira, another Brazilian, another black belt. Um, Verdun looked really good at the beginning. Um, Renan Pereira come out with a, a crazy jump in knee, but got himself taken down very, very quickly with a single leg. I didn't think he was actually going to get him down because he had the single leg swinging him around. And I thought the height and the, the, the length of the legs and base that Renan had would stop him from being taken down, but Verdun got him down, was looking very, very impressive, controlling issues. Um, but uh, Ferreira, being that he's so big and rangy, ended up flipping over from half guard. He ended up flipping Verdun over. But consequences, he flipped him over. Verdun got him in a triangle, and it was looking like it was done. Um, started looking like he was trying to noose it in and tighten it up. And um, Ferreira was just trying to strike his way out of it. Now, the triangle come off momentarily, then he was back in it again. But then when he released it a second time, I think Fadoon was just getting affected by all the punches that he was hitting from inside that triangle. Once he let go of it, he started uh, looking like he was, he, he was out, and all from just a few hammer fists. Um, yeah, so I don't know where Fadoon goes from here. I don't know whether he's contracted with PFL for a string of fights or not. But I don't know, looked good until it went wrong. But when it went wrong, it went wrong very, very quickly for him. Yeah, I'm back. Sorry, I muted my microphone because of the right. neighbours drilling. So I was just checking. <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like that PFL is really worth a watch. Um, I, I just looks haven't good. had time to do it, so I'm gonna have to try and find the time because it looks fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, um, it's good. Really, uh, really interested to seeing it going. Um, I want to talk about these UFC fights just quickly. Sure. Uh, a lot yeah. of decisions, but there was a couple of interesting performances and knockouts. Just overall, I thought Gregor Gillespie was phenomenal. And yeah. I want, I've got to be honest, I want to see Cowboy Cerrone retire, but we'll get to yeah. it fight by fight. Um, sure. I just don't want him to get hurt, mate. I really don't. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And when you think of the damage he's taken just in his last two or three fights, it's. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can take that into account that you've got to take the whole fight career into account you know oh, he's been in wars time time again and look he's done such amazing things for the sport he's so highly respected and yes on his given day um you know he's up there with some decent level guys but he's never going to get into contendership for a title anymore he's nothing more than becoming a gatekeeper and i just don't like to see that it's just no point it's, this guy's financially sound um it's just not going to do his health any good it's not going to improve his legacy anymore by staying in longer than he should he should definitely get out that's nothing to take away from Alex Morono he's a fantastic fighter himself um, but I think a Cerrone of earlier youthful years would have would have been dealing with the Moronos of the world but Morono's been doing great in his last performances um, yeah he, he just 
he did what he had to do and did what was perhaps to be expected of him. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good Yeah, it left him in a difficult position, really, because if he was to lose to Cerrone, it's really going to damage his career. But to, to beat Cerrone, although it's a big name to have uh, on your record, in the fighter world with other people watching it, they ain't going to take too much from it, to be honest. Yeah, it's a weird one, I suppose, isn't it? It's, mm. um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. It was I was, it was hard to watch, mate, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah. But let's go quickly through the card. Uh, so the first fight was, uh, was it Kyle DeCast? Uh, Kyle DeCast? Kyle, yeah, Kyle DeCast versus Phil Hawes, wasn't it? Was that the first one? Uh yeah, I think that was the first one. But that yeah. was a that was a good fight, fantastic fight. Uh, both of them impressed me at moment uh, at times in that. Uh, Dukos had a really good second round. Um, it looked like he really had the measure of Phil House. I thought you know that was the way it was going to stay. But Phil House switched it up in that third round um, and, and was really dominating things. Um, had great controlling situations on the ground. Was looking really game on the feet. Um, but yeah, like I say, he he had some. Tricky situation with Takaos uh, uh, in that second round. Just really loose with his striking. Um, almost looked like Phil House was becoming a little bit gassed. Uh, it looked like he was done, but he come out from that next round and switched things up on Takaos um, and looked really, really good, really, really strong. I think both of them are going to make um, increased improvements from that performance. I feel like they haven't reached their peak by any stretch yet regards their evolution in their personal careers. Um, but that certainly did something for both of them in terms of improving improving themselves. But Phil House, he got the win along with that improvement. And, yeah, it's onwards and upwards for him. 100%, mate. I thought it was uh, it was a good fight. Good fight to yeah. open up that main cards. Really enjoyed both uh, both guys. I thought did very well. Um, yeah. Then we had next up, we had Gregor Gillespie, rank 14 versus number 12, ranked Diego Ferreira. Uh, with Gillespie picking up the victory via TKO strikes uh, about four four minutes fifty, or there was actually nine seconds left in the second round. Um, this was fascinating to watch this fight, mate. It really was. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Gillespie's. I mean, he was exhausted at the end of that first round. He was. He looked done. Tr- didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was trying ever so hard to get Ferreira down, um, uh, but he did get him down. But he wasn't left alone when he got down there. He was always under pressure with the strikes. And um, when he got it on the ground, he was under pressure from pressure from the submissions in that first round, <clears throat> but he didn't stop doing what we know he does well, which is to continue to shoot and wrestle. Um, I don't know where he got the second win from or where he got the energy from, but he just ended up breaking uh, for He just broke him down, uh, ended up getting him down, trying submissions of his own, really controlled matters on the ground. And Fred just began to fade. Um, the difference between them both was when uh, Ferreira began to fade, um, it led to him losing. He he was just absolutely done. Didn't recover from it. Uh, I don't know what to take from that from Diego. Was it was it his, his, was it mentally that he got ground down? Was it a physical thing? I'm really not sure because he looked so good in the early rounds. Really did. I thought it was all for him to win. He was just looking so in control. But fair play, Philipsy for. You know, grinding it out, you know, done ever so well. When he looked so done in that first round, um, really, really impressed me to be honest. That 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 spirit to carry on and push so hard, and he looked absolutely elated, didn't he? He 
yeah, he just he, shouted he, out. Um, you don't see many fighters look that gassed and get a second wind to that extent, do you? Like, mm-hmm. normally when a fighter looks as gassed as that, as he did, he just looked really tired. Yeah, he was stumbling, Certainly, wasn't he? Back then, to his corner. Just um, yeah, I don't think he was rocked in. Particular. I know yeah. he t- took some shots in that first round, but I don't think it was the fact that he was rocked that he staggered. I think he was literally just gasping for oxygen. But he must be in fantastic shape. I mean, you could expect an athlete that keeps on shooting in for a five-minute duration, constantly trying to take someone down that can not only strike well but throw submissions at you. I'm not surprised he was gassed and exhausted because doing the takedown, the takedown round, uh, no, sorry, range is the most tiring range. It really, really is, especially when it ain't easy getting them there and then trying to hold them down on top of the, on top of the fact. But it was full of scrambles, wasn't it? It, it, you know, even that first round, Lipsy was on top, Ferreira was on top. There was all over the place. It really was. It was a really good fight to watch. It really was. Um, I loved it. And I'm really happy for Lipsy because it was going to go to the man that was wanting it the most and was going to try hardest the most. And it was Lipsy this time round. Yeah, Gillespie just looked, just like, I don't know, even know if you would say he wanted it more. He just looked physically like his body wanted it more. Yeah, I yeah. Be- I don't a, know how bad to describe it, to be honest. It was a good turnaround. It really was. 100%. So, um, next up was Maurice Green versus Marcos, Marcos Rogiero de Lima. Yeah, yeah. Um, Green just, uh, he's been found out on the ground if he has, hadn't been before. Um, just lacking in ability to stop a takedown and to recover back to his feet. In the right way, he just was doing all the wrong things. He's got all these long limbs. Um, you know, the commentary constantly picked up on it. He was not framing away. He was not digging under pummels. He wasn't bringing his shin across. You know, being at that sort of height, you should have the advantage in many ways, in many aspects, being on the ground on your back to be able to create space to scramble back up. He was just not doing it. He was allowing uh, Delima to constantly get body to body weight distribution on him. Um, and smother inside the closed guard as well. Um, yeah, he's he's got to look seriously at his game and put those wrongs right very, very quickly because other fighters will see this and they'll keep trying to do the same thing of what they saw Delima do. Um, it was a good performance from Delima, though. You can't take anything away from him. Um, I've never seen him do so many takedowns as he was doing. He just, I think he found it easy down on right, the ground right. with him. He's over, isn't it? Yeah, right, and so. he just yeah he went to where it was it was easy. I even think you know he could have had it out on the feet as well if he truly wanted to. Um, really good performance from him, um, but partly due to the poor performance from Green. It just showed that he's What's very very much a lacking. I I really don't know. Um, I actually not looked into too heavily on what what his training camp is or anything like that. But there's definitely some things missing in his game, and you cannot expect to have any kind of success in UFC lacking the way we saw him do last night so yeah he's got to go back to drawing board somewhat indeed 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 um so next up was Neil Magny ranked 9 versus Jeff Neil ranked 10 I haven't seen this one um I saw, oh, I saw the end you've saw got the last you've round. got to watch it it's um a fantastic performance from both of them um Jeff Neil come out very very aggressive with his hands was lumping up Neil Magny, but Neil Magny with his really long range and tall frame uh, was never an easy customer because he's effective outside and he's mm. also really effective with his wrestling. 
which Jeff Neal suffered with. The only time Jeff Neal had any successes was when he was in that close striking range. But of course, he was quickly smothered by um, uh, by Magny. Um, so it was a case of either being picked apart from the outside or being clinched and grapple screwed uh, in the clinch. Yeah. So it began to wear on Jeff Neal. And we see this pattern with Magny. He seems to do the same with everybody he fights. He forces them into this certain pattern of defeat. But as much as Jeff Neal got defeated, I was impressed with his game. He performed extremely, extremely well and made, you know, made a relatively close fight in, in, in terms of you knew he could have. Uh, any one of those punches could have turned the fight around at any time. But you cannot take anything away from Magny. Magny played long. He played a high-paced fight. He was good in the clinch. Um, he'd done ever so well. It was not a perfect performance by any stretch. But I think it's hard to have a, a perfect performance against someone like Jeff Neal. But also rate and respect as a fighter as well. But Neil Magny looked fantastic. He did overall. A really, really good d uh, decision win. A great work ethic. Um, difficult customer for anyone, I believe. Yeah, Neil Magny, he's, he's most definitely got skills, mate. There's no doubt about that. And I f feel like uh, the last year or two, he's really stepped up his game. Um, yeah. From what I saw and from what you just said, it seems like you know he's taken that to the next level. And he's yeah. got to keep, keep doing it. He's got to keep working at it. He's got to keep showing people that he's more than, you know, just a one-dimensional fighter, basically, I think is... No, yeah, he's good. Like I say, he's just got that awkward body com uh, combination. It's very um, difficult to get hold just, of, isn't he? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, he had his loss uh, last time around. And now he's had this great comeback when he gets another great fighter. Hopefully this gets him back on track and getting back into a respectful position to try and get to be a contender. You know, it, it, yeah. it could happen for him. He's got the ability, haven't he? And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just a case of whether he can get it done. Next up was Alex Moreno versus Donald Cerrone, which we mentioned with Moreno yeah. picking up the TKO strikes victory. Um, just add anything you wanted to add to what we were saying. Really, yeah. The, the thing I wanted to add was, um, you know, it sounded earlier like you know uh, Cerrone was not showing anything of his former self. He certainly was. He landed a couple of good leg kicks and a couple of good body kicks that actually looked like it hurt Moreno. Um, I just think that he should have been perhaps getting getting on that a little bit more. I think sometimes when you're getting of older, um, um, you know, older maturity in the fight game and having as many tough fights as he has, I think sometimes you're not aware of, you know, what's working really well and mm -hmm. and what ain't and making the adjustments on the job. Uh, because, like I say, he did have some successes there, but didn't pick enough on those points. Uh, to try and turn and steer it into a different direction. Moreno rocked um, Cerrone and, and just stayed on him. Moreno's got good cardio. You know, it's something I've noticed about him. He likes to fight a gritty, messy-paced fight. He likes to just keep pushing and driving. And in the first round, Cerrone don't like that. Cerrone takes time. He normally needs a round. Yeah, he does. And he just was not given the space to do so. So in many ways, Morono was kind of a bit of a nightmare opponent for him. And even more so given the fact that he's in his twilight years. And like we said before, when you're being twilight years, perhaps he should be thinking about hanging those gloves up. I think maybe he's two fights in too far uh, for my liking, for what's been an amazing career. I just hope he steps aside now and allows these young, young bloods to just step through. 
he's too good to be a gatekeeper. He's done too many good things. He's highly respected, really is, and financially absolutely sound and, and seems to be an absolutely fantastic guy. Put, put those gloves up, buddy, man, and um, just enjoy it and bask in the respect that's going to be there for you forever. That's all I can say to him. 100%, mate. Um, so our guest last week, James Doolan, uh, I just noticed has put up a Facebook post saying, how many of the top 10 UFC welterweights would you pick MVP to beat? So I'm going to put that question to you, which James Doolan oh. just put on. So I'm going to list them off. You've got, um, we'll start with the, the lowest. So you've got Vincent Luque. Uh, so would you take would you take MVP versus Luque? Oh, but this is the thing, see. I, I, the reason why I want MVP to be in UFC is because I don't think he's fighting the really highest caliber of people Okay. In the world at that weight division, I think anyone in that top thing, uh, 15 could really have the potential to beat MVP. With no disrespect for MVP, I've had him train at my gym. The guy's a legit and incredible striker. Mm. But come on, that Luca, he, he's good both on the ground and a fantastic striker. I think he's got the capability to beat MVP, but this is all just okay. opinions Next. until it happens. Michael Chiesa. I mean, okay, so he, uh, he beat Magni, didn't he, uh, the last time around, didn't he? Yeah. So. yeah. Oh, man, so it's another one that I think has got the capability to beat him. I don't know. It's so okay. hard to say okay. because... Next, Jorge uh, Masvidal. I think Masvidal would lose. I don't think he's got the style to beat MVP. Okay, next, Stephen Thompson. Oh, now That's that would... Out, now, probably that would be the most interesting striking bout out of anyone in that weight division. I want to see that out of pure, you know, pure curiosity. Yeah. Um, um, but I would go, I'd go MVP. I think MVP would win that one. Okay. Leon Edwards. Oh, Leon Edwards. Too well-rounded. Uh, Gilbert Burns. Uh, MVP would win. Colby Covington. I think Colby Covenant would wear him down with the wrestling and the fact that he can keep walking forward with his hands. I mean, but MVP could knock any one of these out on the way forward. That's the thing. But I think some of these guys could get a hold of him. And if they get a hold of him, I think they will grind him down. He's just not fought that caliber wrestler that can also strike enough to get in close. I think someone like Colby Covenant could, could do that. Leon Edwards could do that. Uh, Kamara Usman. Uh, Usman. Uh, this guy is just been incredible lately hasn't it it's, yes. yeah it's been incredible um and then back to the ufc card from last night i just thought that was quite interesting because we've just been talking about it um yeah we had the main event which was the strawweight uh rank six marina rodriguez defeated rank nine michelle Waterson by unanimous decision uh what did you make of this one my friend yeah, now this one, I had terrible trouble with my internet before we come on. You know when I said, look, I'm just going to come on. So I only saw bits of it. Um, it was just really jumpy for me. I was a bit annoying. Um, a lot of what I was getting the impression of was um, Waterman was obviously, you know, stockier, trying to be effective, coming in close. And, and you had Rodriguez um, trying to keep it long and, and, and keeping it rangy. But it was ever so hard for me to... Um, get a perspective on this fight with the way it was. I was just having a nightmare time. Yeah, 100%. I um, I, uh, I saw most of it. Um, looked pretty interesting fight, mate. I, um, I didn't quite understand why this was the main event, but 
it was a bit of a weird card. They they announced it quite late on, so yeah, it was a bit weird all round. Um, but I think Michelle Watson, like she's a decent fighter. She, I do, f- I feel like she's almost that gatekeeper fighter in that strawweight division. Like right. I don't feel like she's quite up to. And I don't mean any disrespect to this by by any means. I don't think she's quite up to the the yeah. kind of main main you know the title title contention. But yeah, yeah. she's a good fighter. Um, yeah, yeah. So well, she, yeah, you know, she's, she she's got good decent wrestling, decent striking, but she's just not quite up to that level for me. Uh, this was what I was happy to see is that this female fight was five rounds, um, because they yeah. do sometimes. Even when they main event, give them three rounds. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, thought, I was glad to see that. Sure. Um, I thought Rodriguez did very, very well. Though. Uh, yeah, yeah, me, yeah. I had, uh, let me just check my notes, but I had Rodriguez winning round one, uh, Rodriguez winning round two, Rodriguez winning round three, Watson winning round four, and Watson winning round five. Because she did yeah. rally quite well. Yeah, she did. She, she, had, she had that grappling uh, bit where she was landing all the elbows and stuff. Did, yes. I mean, you got you got to wonder whether she could have maybe got it put away at that point. But yeah, she didn't, unfortunately, for her. Um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? It's difficult. Um, but I thought it was an enjoyable fight, enjoyable card, mate. And in some ways, it's a bit frustrating that there was so much on this weekend. Because I feel like I haven't really been able to take it in as much as I would have liked. Like I thought the UFC card was really good, but I thought the Bellator card on Friday was excellent. I thought the yeah. boxing was really, really good. I thought yeah. I you know, I wanna watch the Pro Fight League. I just don't have the time to watch it. Um mm. they need to space these bloody shows out is what they do. Like yeah. uh, UFC yeah, and Bellator I, I... need to get together and like so like, we'll we'll run this week. You run next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it, I don't mind. It's all, it's all part of the challenge. But and what I've done, I've gone up my parents at the weekend. They live in Somerset, so they're like 140 mile away. And mm. um, I come back today on top of trying to fit all those things in. So I was trying to watch a bit before I left, watch a bit when I come home, and then when I come home, I was left that last fight to watch, and my internet was just in and out, and it was stopping, start. It was so annoying. Um, um, and you, you can't get a perspective week. on a fight though, can you? When no, you when, when it's stop and start, you can't get a sense of who edged that round. It's so annoying. It is then, Next week though, mate, is the big one for you. Yes. Yeah. Your, so. uh, your, your man crash is main event then for the lightweight uh, title. Yeah, it's going to be Michael good. Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Darouche. We've got yep. Edmund Shabassian and Jack Hermanson. And yep. uh, Chicadians fighting um, Shane Burgos, Edson Barboza. What a card this is. Um, yeah, I mean, Edson Barboza, he's been looking fantastic. Because he's gone down to featherweight and been looking extremely good there. I, I'm kind of really keen on seeing how he'll do against Burgos. Mm. 100%, mate. Um, mm. Right. Shevchenko's sister's on the prelims next week as well, which uh, I always mm-hmm. enjoy watching her and see, uh, see what comes She's up. made improvements, hasn't she? She's looking, been yeah. looking really good lately. Um, just, you know, just having a quick look to see if there was any British fighters on that. Um, on the 
card. I can't see any. Do you have any news on Modestus uh, fighting, mate? Um, yeah, I, I believe he's. About. Yeah, I believe there's, he's, he's signed for something. But um, you know, to be honest, now I think he's. You're training elsewhere now. Well, he's always trained elsewhere anyway. But I'm, I'm not. I've not had anything to do with his training prep for this fight. So. Okay. I'm a little bit out of the loop on that one now. He's made some amendments and changes to his training. I'm hoping that puts some wrongs right for, you know, some better performances in the future. So I wish him all the best for that. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, um, he's moving on with his Jones. journey. Yeah, it's, it's one of those ones, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. It's, fighters are going to chop and change and they're going to do what feels right on their journey as they yeah. try and get to where they want to be and and particularly if you know you have a couple of losses you're going to change things up a little bit um yeah mason jones announced he, he's fighting alan patrick on alan patrick i can't think of him off the top of my head it's the 5th of june that is um alan, alan patrick, patrick i can't think of him off the top of my head uh brazilian uh his nickname is the nougat apparently uh he is 15 and 3 <sighs> He's on two loss wins, uh, two two loss streak at the moment. Um, right. Oh, so that I'm might be gonna... feeding him someone that might be more accepted because that well, last fight he had was tough as hell. Yeah, he was brutal, wasn't it? Yeah. So this guy um, in the UFC has fought. Let's have a quick look. He's fought uh, Macadacy. Uh, he's fought. Uh, Stevie Ray, he's fought Hazdozovic, he's fought Scott Holzman, he was scheduled to fight Mark Casey. Um, right. He's been around a while, this guy. Um, he was he fought Bobby Green on UFC Fight Night in... Ah, uh, maybe I do remember. Uh, he, had a, he had a bout against Rodrigo Vargas. Yeah, uh, yeah he's, been, he's been largely inactive, that's why I, yeah. I can't yeah, he in my mind. Uh, four fights um, called off in the last couple of years. His last fight yeah. was in 2020 against Bobby Green, which he lost by a decision. Um, so it'd be interesting. It's going to be still be a tough task for Mason Jones, but you know. Yeah, my money's on Mason for that man. For Mason's, he's going to make an impression. I have no doubt about that. He is. He's very rare breed. He um, he just came up against someone who was almost like a similar breed to him, I think, in his debut. Mm. Um, oh, the guy was athletically absolutely incredible as well. Yeah, really they just battered each other, didn't they? For, mm. Like round after round after round after yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Um, be interesting what they do with Paddy Pimblett, mate, as well. Um, there's a couple of guys already um, calling Paddy Pimblett out. Uh, Kutalade <laughs> uh, has already said he wants to fight. Um, uh, look, again, similar to Mason, even if he goes in and loses his first fight. No doubt that he's going to do something special in there, but just because yeah, of yeah. the all-round game. And, and look, Paddy's confidence and the way he carries himself, he's going to rub people up the wrong way in that division. So he ain't going to be short of offerings for opponents, for sure. No, no, 100%, mate. Right, Danny, that's us for this week. Again, another top guest, another interesting show. Yes. We've, uh, we've flown through uh, the results, but I think... It's a lot to talk about, and we're trying to keep the shows to around an hour and a half, so we don't yeah. bore the people 
But uh, as always, mate, it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And yeah, likewise, we'll Sai. We'll be back next week for another, yeah. another guest, another show. And we'll have UFC yep. 262 to talk about next week. So you can have a Michael Chandler loving. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe Michael Chandler will be put in his place and Oliveira will continue his reign of terror. Yep. Both have looked good. And uh, I can't wait to see them collide. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a banger, mate. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network.